Hey there, welcome to the Clean the Stage podcast. You are listening to episode 75. What? Our last episode of 2017. And if this is your first episode, I want to say welcome to the show. I'm Angela Lucier. I'm your host, and I'm also an author, a speaker, and CEO and founder of The Speaker Sisterhood, a growing network of public speaking clubs for women. And the Claim the Stage podcast is a podcast for women who are interested in discovering, awakening, and creating their voice through the art of public speaking, which is the same thing we do in our our speaking clubs. And for our last episode of the year, I have a special guest who's going to talk about how to bridge that gap between being a full-time employee and getting out and speaking and being seen as a thought leader, being seen as an expert on a subject. I hear a lot of insecurities from from you know aspiring speakers who are working a corporate job and they want to get out there and speak more, but they don't have those credentials of author and entrepreneur and you know award-winning speaker under their belt so they feel insecure and they kind of like hold off on getting into it. So today Shannon O'Brien's going to share some ideas on how to connect the work you've been doing with the messages you can share on stage and I think you'll find that it's a lot easier than it looks. So I hope you enjoy my last episode of the year. I'm going to be taking a couple weeks off to honestly just like sleep. (laughs) I'm going to sleep. I'm going to maybe clean out the glitter closet. It is like crazy in here, right? I'm basically standing in like the only like six inch spot that (laughs) that the floor is available. So got a lot of stuff to do and I'm excited to come back in 2018 with all new episodes, great guests. We're going to have a couple new types of episodes we'll be rolling out and so much more to come on the Claim Stage podcast. But before that, enjoy today's episode. Okay. Welcome everyone to the Claim Stage podcast. We are coming to you live today from the Glitter Closet, as always, and today we are talking about how to go from a full-time job to public speaker, and today's guest is Shannon O'Brien. So I'm very excited to talk about this subject because I run into a lot of speakers who are working a corporate job, have a nine-to-five position, and they want to get into the speaking world. They want to go out and present workshops and be a keynote speaker, but they wonder how they can do that if they're not a thought leader or an author or a self-employed entrepreneur. So today we're going to talk about how to connect your work experience with the stories and experience you want to share on stage. So Shannon O'Brien, my guest, she is. She has a master's in Ed M. Uh, founded Whole You Career and Life Strategy in 2012, after working for seven years at Harvard and MIT, where she advised both graduate and undergraduate students. O'Brien received a BA in Communications from Boston College, an MA as a Rotary World Peace Fellow in Tokyo, and Ed M. in Technology, Innovation, and Education from Harvard University. And she's born in the U.S. She grew up 10 years in Europe and has traveled to 35 countries, continuing to open her mind to new people and cultures. And she's bringing her career advice to the show today. So Shannon, welcome to the Claim the Stage podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Angela. Yeah, I'm very excited to have this conversation with you today, partially because we both have this background in career advising. And 
I talk a lot about public speaking and I find all the time that I'm bringing my experience from that field into the conversation. So I think we'll have a good conversation about this today and kind of compare notes and hear what you've taught people to do over the years. So before we jump into your advice, one of my favorite questions to ask is, how did you get into this kind of work? Right, so as you mentioned, all my academic experience really groomed me for this work, I think. I was uh, studying communication undergraduate, and the reason I chose communication is because I thought it was pretty applicable no matter what field you went into. And one of the most um, memorable classes I took was actually public speaking uh, at, at Boston College. I remember being so scared uh, just speaking in front of my peers. But um, communication was always at the core of what I wanted to do, no matter what job I went into. So I started as a communication major. And uh, when I was graduating, 9-11 happened. So that sort of shifted the course of my career trajectory. And um, I applied for a fellowship, and that's why I went to Tokyo, Japan. And I was studying communication, but in a larger context. How can communication or educational media be used to help to educate individuals about the world when uh, people can't travel or don't have the interest in learning about other people or they're scared how can media jump in and facilitate better understanding and so i got i kind of went down a rabbit hole i was focusing on the middle east post 9 11 muslim arabs from the middle east post 9 11 and i and as you get deeper and deeper into a subject you realize gosh there's so much to learn and this is pretty daunting and overwhelming. These issues in the Middle East have been going on for centuries. And wait a second, why don't I just apply all my learnings to one individual at a time? So that's how I got into this work. I was studying education and how to inform people, but let's move back and say, okay, let's not focus on a whole region like the Middle East, let's focus on one person at a time and um, help them develop, help them communicate better, help them feel more confident about themselves, help them figure out what their role is in the world and how they can uh, contribute to peace, which sounds very hippie, <laughs> uh, a more peaceful um, you know, world. So that's what I was studying in Japan. And then I moved back to the States in 2005 and pursued a second master's degree in educational technology. So again, learning all of that stuff, but how do we bring it online and, and use and leverage educational technology tools to uh, to facilitate understanding and education. I love that you have so much life experience that you're able to consolidate into this really cool path. And I think having the goal of bringing more peace to the world is actually very modern. It's it's a little hippie, but it's like, that's what the world really needs right now. <laughs> right, right. And, and what better time to talk about it now that it's the holidays, peace on earth. And um, yeah. I think that everybody at their core feels that way, but it's hard to integrate it when we're talking about the stock market and all of these other things that are um, tempting us. So... Absolutely. Well, I want to say hello to everyone watching on Facebook Live right now and invite our viewers to ask questions as we go through this conversation. Yeah. And um, you can post in the comment box and I will be sure to ask your question for you. So I want to ask, how does um, employment history feed into building a brand as a speaker? Just as a starting point question. Yeah, I think that most of us, we, we all have a career journey of some sort, and it's either a career that we're really happy about, we got into it, we're psyched, we've been doing it for years, we're really confident, or our career is something that we're not as proud about, or, or in my case, it was kind of like, okay, I tried this, and it was, it was more of an experimentation. 
And so I always encourage people to say, whatever your experience is, just own it. You know, whether it was something you didn't enjoy or something that you were totally crazy about and loved, just own it and talk about that journey and talk about that path. Because I think that's what people can connect to and empathize with because we've all, you know, hopefully just been experimenting and seeing what we like and what we don't like. So. So maybe making a list of things you're proud of and maybe things you're not so proud of, but recognizing that all of it's valuable. Yes. And not to cut off the, the, um, the you know, less proud <laughs> moments. But recognizing yeah. that's the stuff that people relate to, right? And that's, those are usually the turning points that maybe you had an aha moment or maybe someone said something to you that didn't sound so great in the moment, but you learned from it and were able to do something with it. Exactly. The, the blunders, you know, the mistakes that we've made, the bad bosses or colleagues that we've been um, challenged with, you know, I think that people can relate to all of those dynamics. So own it all and don't negate any of it. How do you own it? Like, how do you build the confidence to talk about something that doesn't make you look good? Because <laughs> it's like, I'm not really looking forward to this talk today where I share my biggest failure ever. <laughs> yeah. The, now that said, what I would say is, um, err on the side of caution. You don't obviously want to name names or give any incriminating evidence that people would know who and what you're talking about. But I think to the degree that you feel comfortable um, sharing, it's kind of a mindset. You know, you have to get in the mindset and, and be humble and not be afraid to talk about the bad stuff. Unless, again, this comes back to the, the topic of brand, your personal or professional brand. If you just want to put out all of the positive stuff and hide all the negative stuff and pretend it never happened, that, that's a choice. But um, I think it comes along with honesty and authenticity to, to, to say, yeah, I, had, I, I, didn't, I couldn't figure that job out. I couldn't figure out that working dynamic. I tried to make it happen. And for me, I, you know, one of my principles is just to be authentic and to be real and transparent because I think it humanizes all of us and it, it makes it more fun. So that's just my mindset. I think you need to start with your mindset. I love that. So let's, let's talk about an example person that we can use to sort of anchor this conversation. How does someone who is transitioning from a full-time job to being a speaker or a consultant or self-employed professional get started with figuring out what to talk about from their employment days? So let's talk about someone who maybe was a client who worked as a corporate human resources executive for 20 years. How would she determine which tools or experiences she should talk about and be known for when creating speeches? and other content to help her build her brand. Yeah, so I have, I have a lot of different examples of clients who've made all kinds of transitions, some um, less risky and some really exciting and risky. So one actually is a human resources um, executive. She's been in corporate for many years and she almost felt like she fell into it and just stayed there because she was enticed maybe by the salary or you just stay because it's comfortable. But um, she really wanted to get into designing green gardens for rooftops downtown. And it was just such a, like a, a departure from human resources to gardening on the top of rooftops. Um, in her circumstance, she actually grew up on a farm as a child. So going, sometimes we can go back to childhood uh, situations and bring those back and kind of create validity for, well, this was my original passion and I'm just getting back to it. But in terms of leveraging and talking about your experiences, again, as we were just saying, don't negate what you just went through or you are going through in your, in your current job. 
the hero's journey, you're probably had a lot of experiences that will be applicable. So for example, just as I said, a communication major is probably relevant to a lot of um, fields that you go into, human resources, dealing with people. In her case, she's said she had a very special knack for conflict resolution and management and helping people figure things out. That's probably gonna be relevant when you're trying to, I don't know, get the plants and the soil for the rooftop gardens or, or whatever situation that you're going to come into. So it's, it's identifying, these are my experiences and the skills and strengths that I um, used or leveraged in those situations in my work. And this is how it's going to tie into the, the work that I want to get into in the future. So if, if this woman, let's call her Mary, has 20 years of experience working in HR and she sits down one day and decides she's going to make a list of all these cool things she did, how does she pull out the best stories and nuggets of advice to share with her audience? Is there um, a tool or a checklist she can use? A tool or a checklist? for uh, I, I guess it's kind of cherry picking, right? It's, I like to think of it maybe as... Um, highlights reel when you know for sports you know they're probably going to show the touchdowns and like have some music in the background so you can imagine all of the best parts of what you went through but then again back to this hero's journey maybe some of the valleys if you're willing to share them oh yeah you know like it, it was a rough start i it took me a year or two to transition into this field and learn what it was all about and sort of admit and own what didn't go so well and what you learned from and then talk about your accolades, talk about any experiences that you learned from or um, particularly enjoyed. So think of it more as like a highlights reel. So if, even if it's highlights that are bad, right? Like, you know, maybe not bad, but there are moments where maybe you didn't look as good or you made a mistake and you learned from it. So we have this whole spectrum of, you know, brilliant shining moments and the the bumps and bruises is there anything that she should leave out of her speeches yeah i think that um as i was saying first name basis you know not like naming any names um also this is one of the things that i would probably point out is you want to talk about, I think it can be powerful when you say, when you admit to vulnerability and some of the things that went wrong, but I think that there's a fine line um, and it borderlines on the victim mentality or embellishing a sob story, you know, where people are like, hmm, you're not as credible anymore because you didn't use this. And I'm guilty of this too, you know, like, oh, my boss was so horrible to me. And it just, eventually it make me look bad, you know, if I didn't say, well, this is what I did about it. This is how I tried to turn it around. So I think that that's what I might suggest leaving out or, or um, being a, like finessing a little bit. Okay, you have this experience, but don't say that, you know, woe is me and it only happened to you. And, and I think we can risk playing a victim. So what would you do in that situation if you're telling a story about a boss who mistreated you? Can you give an example of how you would frame that? Yeah, let's think through it. Because <laughs> uh, I've definitely had some bad boss experiences. And I feel a little bit validated with those bad boss experiences because I, I knew that I wasn't the only one and other people were also dealing with it as well. So I think that's easier. If you feel like you're the only one, it's this you know, one-on-one -on -one dynamic, I think that that would be more difficult. But um, 
I want I like to refer to this book by Bob Sutton. He's a Stanford professor. He wrote a book called The No Asshole Rule and The No Asshole Survival Guide. <laughs> and I like to refer to it because here's a legit professor and researcher saying, this is really not just about you. This is a universal problem. So I think that recognizing that it's a universal problem and it's really not personal, it's just that human dynamics are difficult sometimes, just as they are in families, they are in workplaces. So saying, yeah, I, I experienced that as well and it was challenging and here are some of the things that I tried to do to make the situation better. And maybe you did and maybe you didn't. I like it. I was just thinking about when I did my first TEDx talk and I told the story about my boss telling me that my creativity was an issue. And I anchored the whole talk around that one sentence because I thought, I think the whole audience could probably relate to this. A lot of creatives in the audience. Yeah. And instead of talking about it like, yeah, you know, it was really sad. I turned that into a moment of inspiration and shared what I did as a result of that feedback. Yes. And I think if you can like take something really difficult and then rise above, then that's a, that's a good way of coming out of the victim and instead using it as fuel. Absolutely. I watched your talk and I really liked how you said that. And I did resonate with it. Like, Oh yeah, well, bosses do try to squash your creativity or your joy or whatever it is. And, and how do you, you know, whether you say, oh, yes, and you just, like, listen to them, or you, you, you know, like, water moves around the rock in the way and, and tries to find another path. So I think you articulated that beautifully. And um, for me, how I got around it is now I'm my own boss. So <laughs> I think that's what a lot of people do and maybe why so many people are interested in being an entrepreneur or a contractor or, or a public speaker, you know, that they want to kind of have their own gig and, and – you know, um, call the shots, live by their own um, inner principles rather than just following a boss that may not have your best interest in mind. Yeah. So what kinds of mistakes do you see people make when they're transitioning from full-time employment to self-employment, like to become a speaker or have their own business? Yeah. I, I think that one of the things, and I'm guilty of it as well, when I was transitioning from my job at MIT to become an entrepreneur, I had so many interests. And how do I clarify and narrow down, okay, this is what I offer. And so, um, you know, the wording that I was using was like, well, it's, it's wellness and it's here and I'll help you with your service projects. And people are like, what are you talking about? I don't even know what you're saying, especially my dad. He's like, they're going to help some of their resume and then give them a massage. I don't <laughs> And over the five years, I think that I've clarified the language a little bit, but it's maybe still not completely clear in people's heads, but I just chalk it up to holistic development, holistic development. I put it in that category, but I'll give you a concrete example. Just last week, I met a woman who was talking about her business and she said, well, I help with food preparation. And I was like, oh, great, cool, I got it. And then I also help with social justice. <laughs> and then, you know what I mean? Which I, I got as well, because I was in the diversity cultural promotion space at Harvard. I, I get it, but I don't see how the two mix. So I think like one mistake or is to lump them all in together. They're both legitimate, but maybe market them or talk about them separately, just so people can uh, compartmentalize them in their heads properly. 
Yeah, this is probably one of the most difficult things for entrepreneurs to do because they often have so many passions and they want to solve a lot of problems at once. What did you do or what advice do you give other people when they come to you and say, okay, I've got these five things that I want to put together to get to the heart of what it is you're really doing or weed out the things that maybe aren't quite as important to that core message? Yeah. So... Um, last night I had, I conduct an online course and I had a small group last night and one of the women was struggling with, well, what to choose? I have all of these interests because I go through a series of exercises that say, okay, well, think about the people you want to serve. Who's the demographic? Think about your skills, your strengths. Think about all. So I think she was kind of like overwhelmed and like her head was swimming in all of these, these words and, and answers to these exercises that she had done. And she said, and so, you know, there's a week that passes in between our, our sessions. And she said, yeah, I was just online and searching and going down rabbit holes all week. And then just at 4 p.m. today before our call, it kind of dawned on me that I want to work with financial literacy. And not just any financial literacy, because I, I found out about this um, program or organization called LVEST. I don't necessarily just want to work with people, women, men who already have it, already have the resources. I'm really interested in people who don't have access to the resources. So it's kind of when you silence everything and just listen a little bit, you kind of get clues to what you really care about. Because I think we can be so overwhelmed, social media, our own interests, but what speaks the loudest? What makes you feel what makes your heart sing or, you know, feel the warmest, basically. I like that. Yeah. Connect. So kind of going inside, right. And seeing how connected you are to those ideas. I like that. I know oftentimes people will ask their friends, which should I pick or they'll ask advisors. And like, it's very hard for someone else to know how much you like something (laughs) because they're not (laughs) inside your head or your heart. So I like that advice. Um, Do you have any ideas or secrets to crafting a good story that makes content and presentations memorable and engaging? Yeah, so I think when we think back to an engaging talk that we sat in or an engaging TED talk that we watched, um, think about the elements, break it down and say, well, what did I enjoy about that? And I think um, we like humor. I think everybody likes humor. I think we like stories that we empathize with, as we were saying with these bosses. Oh, yeah, I've been there, too. Um, I think people like a little bit of shock sometimes. Or a little education. So I think mixing, I think, you know, a good engaging talk incorporates all of those things, maybe a little bit of shock, a little bit of funny, a little bit of um, certainly like honesty and authenticity, a story that you can connect with. Mm-hmm. So one thing you do to promote your business is you have a YouTube channel. And, and, and as when we talked about it the other day, you mentioned that it's gone through a couple of iterations and you've learned about how to create content, how to make it interesting, how to be yourself. What advice would you give to new speakers who are thinking about creating content there and how could they be most effective? Yeah, so as a communication major, I thought I was going to be a journalist. So I, um, YouTube was a way to scratch an itch that I sort of had. Um, I wasn't working for a local TV station, but YouTube is, you know... Uh, very forgiving. <laughs> Anybody can join. Uh, but I still didn't want to just uh, jump on there and, you know, say a bunch of nonsense. I did want to be organized. So I would say, number one, be organized. Like, think about 
obviously what's the content you're going to be talking about what do you really want to share and i don't know if i've mastered this but i'm i'm in the process of of experimenting like be open to being wrong be open to being mistake you know making mistakes um but as i said be organized so some of the things that i did one of the first things i did is take a class you know i'm not it, it was a while ago, over like 20 years ago, that I was studying communication and public speaking. So I might need a refresher, just take a class. Um, for me, I took it at um, the Boston Neighborhood Network, so your local cable access TV station. So I took a class. Um, I also, when I was there at BNN, it's called BNN, um, I met a woman who was interning there who approached me and said, I want to intern for you. So she helped me with you know getting some of the logistics for the youtube channel up which was helpful mm -hmm. um and then i the phases that i went through again with going back to content the first thing i did was make a list of people like my friends that i really enjoy and that i feel really confident promoting their message so one of the first people i had on a friend named morgan who has a, a website called about meditation that was the first topic that I wanted to talk about because I think meditation and mindfulness is just paramount. It's just the most important thing we can really talk about. So I had, you know, had an interview with him and I think, um, I like to converse and I like to highlight other people. So having a list of people that I could have interviews with made me feel more comfortable at, at practicing in front of the camera. So the first phase was these interviews. The second phase was book reviews hey, this is a book that I read that I really love that I think that you would enjoy. So then I did 10 book reviews. And then my friends and family <laughs> said, you know, you come across really stuffy. That's not you. That's not the real you, you know? And, and I think that we can kind of freeze in front of a camera or not, or, or feel like we need to act a certain way because we see talking heads on TV. And so I gave it a shot to do more live stream. So thank you for this opportunity to do a live stream on Facebook Live. I think this is my first today. Um, but I tried to do something. There was a, an organization out of California called Bid Chat. And so every week I would have a topic and, and do a little live stream and try to be a little bit more, um, more natural and less scripted. So I've, I've experimented through, through the years. I've been doing it for three years. So I would just say to people to wrap it all up, um, be organized, know the content that you want, be open to making mistakes and just experiment and have fun. Yeah. And, and really see what works for you, right? Like maybe the interview format, you see other people do it and you think that's what I want to do and you try it and it's like, maybe not, but that's yeah. fine. Yeah. <laughs> I think also realizing like you're not locked in and if you decide to change, it's not like you failed, right? It's just a chance to do something a little different. Yeah, and I think people appreciate that. I think that your viewers or people you're connecting with appreciate a little bit of experimentation. Oh, cool. She's got a different background or a different costume on today. You know, like she's trying different things and, and that gives them permission to, to experiment too. Yeah. Are there any other platforms or channels you'd recommend speakers use in order to get their name out there and start building their brand? Yeah. So I know that when I started my business, I was trying to be everywhere and I still do that and I'm on Twitter, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, I'm totally like, um, if I were to do it all over again, or uh, hopefully I, I could have practiced what I preached, I would recommend to someone to say, choose one and do it well, go deep. And for me, uh, because I'm career advising, that aspect of my work has become the most popular. I think LinkedIn is the most relevant platform for me and my work. 
Now, a speaker might find that Twitter is more relevant, you know, because they can use their voice and start to build a message, a brand on Twitter. And I hear that they have allowed more characters to speak now, so that will give you a little bit more leeway. Um, every platform has a different tone to it, so I think it really depends on who you're trying to reach, what you're trying to say, how often you want to do it, and um, yeah, what, what is the tone that resonates with you more? So maybe public speakers would find that Twitter or YouTube would be a, a great uh, place to build their message. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else that speakers, new speakers should know as they're transitioning from full-time work into this totally new landscape of promoting themselves and having a message and being seen and creating credibility and, and building that platform? Yeah, I think that, you know, the bottom line is what I've experienced is that there's nowhere to get. There's nowhere to get. And so you really have to enjoy the process and enjoy the process of evolving and learning and growing. I think that that's what really what it's about is enjoying the journey, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's, it's fun to have milestones and to say to yourself, okay, I want to do 10 talks this, this year and that would be success for me. And you're really setting up your own goals and metrics because no one else is really judging you or cares that much or cares as much as you do. Yeah. So if the, those are the milestones for your success, then, then that would be good. But again, just to enjoy the journey and not be too judgmental on yourself. Love that. <laughs> um, so let's jump into the lightning round. We have six quick questions. The first question is, what's the number one piece of advice you have for women who want to be well-known speakers? Yeah, um, I would say, you know, the cliche is be yourself. But I think that's, um, I think we have multiple sides to ourselves. So even as I was saying for me, I have this like on camera professional per person. And then, you know, when I'm in my pajamas and my Irish afros out, I can like behave a little bit differently. So I think you can um, reconcile, choose the sides of yourself that you want to share. So just, and be authentic with that. Great. So be yourself, choose the best sides of yourself. Number two, do you have a personal operating philosophy? And if so, what is it? I, I'd say that the main thing is just to be authentic, be transparent, be honest. I believe in everyone's truth. That might be different for different people, but always just be um, own and own your own voice. What advice would you give to your 25-year-old self? Uh, practically, so when I was 25, I was still living in Japan. And... Um, I would tell myself to be more persistent. I, I had made, so I'll give you a, a concrete example. I wanted to be involved with a show there called NHK. And it's sort of like our version of PBS. And I did some outreach and I did some networking, but I didn't follow up properly. And so I think if I really wanted to make it happen, I should have been more persistent. So, so if you really want something to happen, you need to do what it takes. And I think now as entrepreneurs, like we realize that you have to like go the extra mile and it won't be handed to you. You really have to be persistent. So that's what I would say to myself at 25. Yeah. What advice would you give to your 75 year old self? I hope that my 75 year old self will have um, a legacy, you know, feel that they have, she has lived a long, a full life giving to others, but I hope also um, will be in the mindset of um, detaching from things. And so I would just 
say, if you haven't already let go, let go of everything, give it all away. <laughs> if you had to pick one object to represent yourself, what would you pick? I think a diamond and because it's captivating and it's brilliant. And, um, and in fact, I heard like when you, if you cremate yourself, you can turn your ashes into a diamond. So that's a pretty good way to live on, I think. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Lastly, what does it mean to you to claim the stage? Uh, for me, claiming the stage is sharing the stage. I really love to do workshops and where I'm, you know, giving other people a voice to be heard and to create a, 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 an honest connection and dialogue. For me, that's the most powerful part of being on stage is connecting with others. Yeah. Is there anything you'd like to share with my audience, like any upcoming offers or events? Yeah, thank you. Uh, so as I said, I started this online course. I've been doing this career development program one-on-one, -on -one, but now I've brought it online. And so my next online career course starts January 2nd, and it will be five sessions, same curriculum, but just a, um, a fraction of the price. So if people are interested in making a career transition, then I suggest signing up for that course. I also have a, an intro, it's like a work-life balance assessment, and that's a, a very easy way, especially around the holidays or the new year, just to take an inventory and reflect on where you are and where you wanna be in the future. What are the five sections you cover in your course? Yeah, so the first part is assessing and visualizing your ideal. That's paramount, is saying, this is what I want my work and life to look like. This is how far I want to commute. This is how much money I want to make. This is what kind of boss I want to report to or not report to. So really uh, concretizing your vision, assessing your skills and strengths, doing various assessments to say, okay, I'm really great at this and this is what I also love to do because that's the sweet spot. Um, third session is articulating that on paper. Cover letter and resume is pretty standard, but using those first two steps to infuse that in your documents. The fourth session is config confident communication online. So on your LinkedIn, your um, you know, LinkedIn profile photo, the content on your LinkedIn, and as you were saying, any like social media platforms that you wanna develop. And then the fifth session is networking, like helping other people to help you and to, to make that vision uh, a reality. Sounds awesome and super yeah. helpful for people, even if they're not trying to get another job, if they wanna start a business or jump into something, it's a, kind of that holistic, look at what to do next. How can we find more information about you and your course? So my website is wholeyou.info and there's a services tab that you can pull down and see the different options. I think it's online career course. And then I also I'm on social media, uh, like it or not. And um, uh, my YouTube channel is, um, is connected through that website as well. All the social media tabs are at the bottom of the website, wholeyou.info. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show today and sharing your advice for, for employees who are going into the world of speaking and want to know how to do it well. Really appreciate your insights and advice. Thank you for having me, Angela. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Have a great day. You too. Take care. Thanks. Bye. Bye. All right. There you have it. My last episode of 2017 with the amazing Shannon O'Brien. I hope you do check out her course. It sounds really interesting. And if you're in that space of thinking about what's next, it's always helpful to have someone walking you through the steps instead of trying to navigate all of that by yourself. And it seems like she's really thought through 
what it is you need, and she'll be a great little partner in that in that process. So that does it for me, you guys, for this year, for this podcast. I want to thank you all so much for listening and being part of this adventure and sharing your ideas and just being so awesome with feedback. And it's it's always great to run into someone who goes, hey, I was just listening to your podcast. I'm like, whoa, it's always exciting. <laughs> so if you have any ideas for guests or topics, or if you have questions you want to hear featured on an upcoming Q&A episode, please feel free to email me, Angela at speakersisterhood.com. And as always, you guys, guess what I'm going to say? Stop waiting, start creating. I'll see you next time.